Entrepreneurs can get stuck in their head. If you dream of changing the world, but you're not sure where to start, the Add Value to Entrepreneurs podcast will help you transform your life and business. This podcast is for entrepreneurs who want more freedom and fulfillment from their work so they can live the life that they desire. You deserve it, and it is possible. It's time for you to add value. This episode is brought to you by Perfect Publishing. Perfect Publishing is a different approach to publishing a book. Perfect Publishing is sharing a project of hope. We carefully chose heroes of hope who exemplify living a life they created through faith, hope, patience, and persistence. No matter what page you open to in this mini cube of hope, you will find a leader with a big heart. You see you are not alone. The authors may share similar challenges that only hope and action could resolve. Get your free ebook at getadoseofhope.com. Get adoseofhope.com. Our guest today is Brittany Anderson. Brittany is an author, speaker, entrepreneur, podcast host, mom of three, wife to one, and friend to many. As the president and shareholder of a top-ranked financial services firm, she has taken her business building and team-engaging insights and has worked with CEOs, entrepreneurs, business owners, and authors alike. Brittany Anderson and Robert talk about money and money education, but also about empowering people to dream, to believe that the life they want is possible. Her and her team want to help people see money differently and use it to get the most out of their lives. She talks about positive thinking, gratitude, and getting your body moving to really shift your thinking. Well, Brittany, this is really exciting. And what everybody else doesn't know is that you and I have been talking for an hour already. And so <laughs> we're just going to continue the conversation. And we've just moved from your show to my show. And this is so fun. It is fun. And I have loved the conversation. So I know it's going to be joyous as we go forward. <laughs> Absolutely. So usually my very first question or you know, introduction to the conversation is letting the guests share their journey, their, you know, entrepreneurial journey. And I know that you're in business with a partner and, 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 you know, could feel like an employee or can feel like a partner, an entrepreneur, but I know you still have that entrepreneurial spirit. So. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's been, it's been such a, an amazing journey, to be honest. You know, I, I think back in periods of reflection and you and I have talked about gratitude and, you know, how you look at where things started to where they are now. It's, it's just kind of incredible. So um, I actually really brief background raised by a single mom, always kind of had this little drive in me that I knew I wanted more. And I didn't know what that necessarily meant um, or, or what that was, especially as a young person. But uh, as I got older, I was finishing college and I was actually kind of go the corporate route. I was managing a jewelry store at a really young age and thought, man, if I can just climb this totem pole, this is ideal. And I got to be part of some really cool experiences and kind of selling engagements and all these really cool things. So um, not too long after I went on that management route, I realized corporate world was absolutely not what I thought it would be. It wasn't for me. It, there was just something missing and, and I wanted to to kind of shift gears. So stumbled upon a job application in this company called at the time Sweet Financial Services. And it was a, an opening for a client service associate. So I don't know what it was, or I, I should say at the time, I did not know what it was that was calling me so much to this particular company. Uh, in hindsight, it was absolutely the entrepreneurial spirit. Uh, ended up 
landing the job. And through the years, I've been there 14 years now, uh, through the years kind of climbed up into an operations role, then into a COO and now president. And I'm one of four partners in the company. Uh, along that journey also started a, a couple other businesses. So uh, have one where I uh, coach financial advisors from all across the nation in building their business, creating more team engagement, creating opportunities for growth and, and marketing and and uh, how they serve clients and all of that, that, that kind of stuff that it takes to really run a business. Uh, I've also had the great fortune of coaching businesses and entrepreneurs from all different walks of life, uh, from mom and pop PNC insurance agencies all the way over to major influencers in, in all different realms. So uh, it's been quite the journey. And, and I guess the one thing that's kind of evolved out of that is this desire to help people realize their full potential, to see possibility, and to really lean into what's meaningful to them. So that's kind of the, the next level, the next company, the next initiative, big focus that, that I'm going towards. But that's really been the unfolding of the entrepreneurial journey for me. Oh, that's so good. So I know we identify on so many levels, um, and, and you one of your programs is Dream Life Architect. And so I'm a huge advocate of entrepreneurs having the opportunity to design their life and then build a business that supports it. And so can you share a little bit about your idea of, of our ability to create, to, to manifest, to design a life and then build something to support it and make it, you know, make it real? Yeah. You know, I, I saw a quote recently that was something along the lines of, you know, when you think about manifesting and you think about, let's relate it to, you know, prayer or hope or focus on the future, however you want to look at it. It was something along the lines of like, God doesn't give you a shovel and then want you to just sit there and hope that it digs a hole. Like you got to put in a little bit of work here. So, you know, when I think about manifesting and I think about, you know, creating that dream life and really pursuing possibility, it, it, it really starts with telling yourself the truth <laughs> and getting really clear on what it is that you value. So for me, it's laying this foundation of, you know, yes, I started in, in this career, in this path, in this company, working for somebody and working towards, you know, maybe the founder's vision and all of that. But true growth didn't come and this partnership didn't come and these other businesses didn't come until I started telling the truth about what I wanted and where I thought my value lied. So, you know, when you think about people who become maybe misaligned, it's oftentimes tied back to this total gap in values. So for me, I know that regardless of what's going on, like my kids, my husband, my family is going to come first. I know that there is a... Uh, I'll call it a perfect imbalance in life. Like I'm not one that strives to have the teeter-totter flat on, on both ends. I'm cool with it kind of tipping back and forth. And I know that there's times that I have to go really hard in one of my businesses just to make sure that I'm serving and reaching that next level of growth that's fulfilling to me. But then there's other times that the business kind of has to take a back seat and my kids and whatever's going on in their lives and, and you know, what we've got going on personally, it has to take the forefront. So as long as one side doesn't stay tipped for too terribly long, I feel really good. But again, that's my value alignment. That may not be yours listening and tuning into this. So defining the values, telling yourself the truth and getting so clear on the life that you want 
then the universe can help conspire to, to put things in front of you and help make it happen. But if you don't have that clarity first, it makes it really, really hard. Yeah, the universe definitely loves clarity and, and commitment. Yeah. Um, I, lo I, love, I love your example of the teeter-totter because so many people talk about balance. And I think balance is, is this misnomer, right? And, and if you remember the teeter-totter when you were a kid, the, the real fun or the real challenge was to get it to that balancing point. Yeah. Right. Where, where both people were off the ground by, you know, by a couple of feet and, and you could stay there, but, but it required you both to sit still. And, and I think, you know, I think about raising our kids and, 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 and working and family and, and all of that complication. And then we find this perfect balance and wait, everybody stop. Don't yeah. move. <laughs> this is the perfect moment and I want to capture it. And then, nope, you can't move. Don't move. <laughs> See, because if you breath. move, then of course the teeter-totter is going to move and it's going to fall. And so um, I prefer to think of harmony, right? And, and I think the way you describe the teeter-totter going up and down on each side is more like harmony. It's a mm -hmm. rhythm and life has a rhythm. Life has, I think our body has a rhythm. Our work has a rhythm. Our, our family can have its own rhythm. And the cool thing is you can be intentional. Um, but to have intentionality, you need to know what's important. And so I love those boundaries. You mentioned, you know, that your family's first. So let's dig into the value of those boundaries and how that helps you be intentional in your decision making. Yeah. You know, there was a, a period of time where I, I can say that it's easy for me to fall prey to work addiction. Like it is really easy for me, especially if I'm super excited about a project or, you know, we have a, a tight deadline approaching. It's it's not hard for me to go all in there. So one of the things that I guess was kind of a, a turning point for me or a pivotal moment is I realized that for, for a while there, I'm talking about how my family's important and my kids are my priority and all of this. But I'd get home and even if I, you know, went home earlier than normal or, you know, rearranged my schedule, I was burnt out and I wasn't showing up as the person who I knew I could be for my family. I was giving all my energy on the front end to, you know, the, the business, to team members, to clients, to customers, to whatever. And it, it was just completely me being out of congruency. So you know, when I look at kind of that moment in time, actually, I can remember it very vividly. I had taken on a client that I probably shouldn't have taken on uh, in my coaching business. And it was like two o'clock in the morning. It was a Friday night and I'm at my desk at home and I'm working. And I, all of a sudden I just looked around and I was like, what am I doing? <laughs> my kids are going to be up in like four or five hours. Cause they are early birds. Let me tell you, they're going to be up in four or five hours. I'm going to be spent. I'm doing all this so that I can have Saturday as a free day, but I'm absolutely burnt out and I'm going to be exhausted. And then how am I going to show up as a mom? So for me, it's really having that ability to say no to things that I know don't serve me, that I know don't necessarily, you know, push me towards showing up as my best self in all aspects and all different arenas and, and knowing that it's okay to say no. So again, it's like when I'm focusing on my values and I'm making sure that I stay in alignment, you know, there's a, a, a plethora of opportunities, I guess you can say. Like once, as I'm sure you know, Robert, it's like one opportunity breeds another opportunity, breeds another opportunity. And when you start putting value out into the world, those things can become endless. 
And it can become really easy to get sucked into that. So for me, it's just saying, hey, you know what? I know that this is not going to boost my energy. It's going to take me away from the things that really, really matter. And I'm going to have a hard time really showing up as my best self. So that thing of, of focusing on saying no uh, has been huge for me. And it's something I still battle with today. I wish I could say I've perfected it, but but that's just not the case. So being able to say no and really focusing on showing up as my best self, that's what matters. And that's where I think I can make the biggest impact, especially at home. So let's dig into that that client a little bit. Not not to, yeah. not to reveal anything, but yeah. Entrepreneurs so often take on clients, especially early on that, 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 uh, Hey, I just need it. I need anybody with a credit card (laughs) and and recognizing, recognizing who you're really good at helping and who you're not so good at helping or recognizing that clients that there's, there's just clients that aren't healthy. How do you help an entrepreneur? How do you help a financial advisor know the difference and, 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 make better choices in in who they accept as a client or the ability to fire a client. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think it starts with getting really clear on where you add the most value and, and honestly, what you need from that client or that customer too in return. So, you know, I'll give a couple examples and, and this one in particular, you know, I work really well with people who are willing to put in the work and they're going to hold up their end of the bargain. And they understand that you kind of have to meet in the middle a little bit, especially when it comes to, you know, coaching and helping somebody build and grow their business and all of that. It's a little bit different than the wealth management practice where we oftentimes work with people that are delegators. They're like, set it and forget it. You guys are the professionals. You know, we have advisors on our team that take care of that. That's a different ball game. But when you have somebody that is, um, you know, you're trying to help them gain momentum and you're trying to really help them get ground, they've got to kind of fill in their end of the bargain. And what I found is I would try to compensate for things that the person wasn't willing to do. And as much as I think that I can tackle and do and be all, there's only so much you can do when you're trying to help somebody move forward. They got to show up on their end too. So kind of doing your homework for your kids. A hundred percent. That's exactly what it is. And they're not learning anything. And then, you know, then you don't have the relationship anymore. And what are they taking away? They're leaving with a bad taste thinking, well, I didn't get anything. It's like, well, yeah, because I have it still, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm, I was doing it. So that's something I think that, you know, anytime you're working with somebody having predefined kind of pre-qualifiers, you know, it can be something as simple as, you know, a brief assessment or, you know, a, a conversation where you're really getting to the core of how they operate, you know, who they are as an individual, what are they willing to do and setting those really clear expectations up front. Cause you're right. I mean, you look at it and you're like, oh my gosh, this could be a great opportunity for my, you know, looking at experience or, you know, having a, a recommendation down the road or whatever that looks like. But a lot of times when we end up working with somebody who's not that quite ideal fit, it can actually be detrimental on both ends. They have a bad experience. You've put in a ton of time and energy. Yes, maybe you got a paycheck for it, but odds are the time, effort, stress probably didn't really make up for whatever that amount was. So, and and I'll go back to, you know, when you think about, there's kind of two different arenas here. I mentioned like in a wealth planning type business. So for financial advisors, it is really, or it can be really, really difficult to work with somebody who's not a delegator by nature. You know, you have your team of advisors, you have people that are trained to show up and do what they do every day. 
when you get people that maybe don't quite understand that dynamic and don't want to and want to be really hands-on and maybe don't fully even understand the industry, I mean, it can create a mess. And I don't think I even need to explain that any further of what that can do. <laughs> it causes stress. You're maybe not able to work in their best interest because they're dictating too much. It's different than what you're doing or how you're showing up for your other clients. And then that creates just issues in itself. So what might work in one industry may not be the same in another because in coaching, yes, I want you to delegate what you want me to do, but you can't delegate your whole business to me because it's you, it's you're the one growing it. So you got to have those really clear guidelines of what it is you need your client or customer, how you want them to show up and how you offer the best service to them. Oh, absolutely. And I, and I think boundaries, boundaries are super important. This is the service we provide yeah. and this is the level that we provide it. If you're comfortable with that, you know, let's move forward. And if you're not, that's okay. We can refer you to somebody else that, you know, lets you wake up at, you know, 5 a.m. Eastern time and start, you know, making buy orders or shift orders or right. <laughs> moving, moving your money every single day. And, and it's, it's so true too. And if you think about it, I mean, when you're bending and weaving and trying to accommodate everybody, it's not sustainable and it's not scalable either. So really, again, it's like short term, you got to look at the long game. You don't want to focus too much on the short game because that, yeah, that might put a few dollars in your pocket, but that is that really how you show up? And is that really you being your best self? Probably not. So yeah, I think that's, that's, that's so true. So design architect or your dream life. So you use the word dream. And so how do you help people understand their dream or, or figure out what is their dream? Yeah. It, so the dream architect, uh, kind of just to give a little bit of foundational background on it. So it was about 10, 11 years ago, the founder of Sweet Financial, um, Brian Sweet, he, he had this vision where he's like, you know, I've been working with people for so long and yes, we're managing their money, but does the money really matter if people aren't doing what they really, really want to do? Mm. Like, what is all of this for, essentially, if people aren't realizing what's even possible and what's out there? So that's where we started building and crafting and looking at what that can do and how that can serve people. And, it, and really, it started within the wealth planning firm where we said, okay, Let's ask deeper questions. Let's ask better questions of people to really understand what it is that they want that'll help them feel fulfilled. And it's interesting because it oftentimes it's not, um, you know, I want a new house or I want a sports car. You get that sprinkled in here and there. But a lot of times people are looking for experiences and they're looking for an understanding of, you know, what does legacy really mean to me? And what's going to make me feel like I've contributed to the next generation and the generation after that and all of those things. So by us just asking better questions and having an actual process for people to follow, that really opened the door to deeper relationships, more meaningful relationships, and really helping people do things that they they never thought was possible. So that's really where it came from. And the next level that we see taking this to is building out almost like a coaching platform of sorts where the biggest issue you have, like you sit down in front of somebody, Robert, and you're like, okay, tell me your biggest dream for your future. They're going to go, wait, what? <laughs> They're going to sit there and a lot of times we get like the deer in the headlights look of that's a really big question and I don't know that I've put a ton of thought. So then what happens there is you get a surface level answer. 
you get somebody that's like, well, I've really always wanted to, you know, go backpacking in Italy. And you're like, oh, great. And you get all excited and you start putting the plan together and, and that's all fine and well, but you're not really getting to the core of why that's meaningful. And if you would have asked a few more questions, maybe you then find out that that's where their heritage is from. And their grandmother always wanted to take that trip back to see her family. And she never did because she thought she couldn't afford it. She got sick. She, you know, whatever that is. So if you would have just taken it a little bit further to really get to the core of why somebody wants to do what they do, the odds of them actually taking action towards it increases exponentially because now you found the emotional connection to the dream or to the why. So our whole goal is how do you help people actually get to that core, uncover why it is that they dream about the things they do, you know, really help them make good decisions and then be that accountability partner that helps them actually take action and do it. So it's not just on some great dream board that sits on your wall that you hope one day maybe comes to fruition. So that's really the dream architect as a whole and how we're looking at helping people take action. Oh, so powerful. Um, I mean, I think our financial services model is is in severe need of resurrection. And Amen. so many financial advisors sit down in front of somebody and says, well, how much money do you want to spend in retirement? And 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 so you're making $10,000 a month now. You'll probably need $5,000 a month, you know, with, with no bills to sustain that lifestyle. And we put it all up on the little chart and we've got the little chart that says, well, if you live to 95 and don't sell your house, that's when you run out of money. Yep. And, and so we're, we're, we've created this model now where you sack it away, sack it away, sack it away, sack it away. And the, the, the measure is to see how long it'll last. And that's, and that's it. Like that's the, that's the, that's the end game. That's the dream that we've built this all up for. And they completely miss out on life. Yes. yes. <laughs> there's, there's, there's so few people sacking it away just to be clear on that, that, but the model is so broken. And of course we're bringing in herds and herds of financial advisors now. And of course, I think all the mortgage brokers in the world are going to switch to financial advisors this month because <laughs> their interest rates have gone the other way. And so they don't have a lot of hope in their, in their yeah. industry. Um, and, and that model is so broken. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I don't want to sit down with some, that's not legacy to me. That's not, that's not putting my money to work in the world. Right. That's just, you know, I've sacked it away to figure out if it's, if I can get 8% or seven and a half percent, I'll live to 95. What? <laughs> you know, it, it, you are, you're dead on with that. And, and I'll say this too is, because of that, like it, it is a broken model and it's like, okay, well, let's see how long we can stretch this. And it's the wrong questions. And I, I want to go back to something you said too, where you come in and you, you know, you maybe meet with an advisor and, you know, they say, well, how much do you think you want to spend? In, in my mind, that's like going to the doctor and, you know, the doctor's like, well, you have, you know, this diagnosis. And the doctor asks you, well, how, how do you want to go ahead and treat that? You're like, <laughs> Mm, that's why I came to you. <laughs> and it's 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 really the same thing where it's like 
you know, the, the, the questions that are, are being asked on both parties, right? As somebody coming in, it's like a client doesn't know what they don't know. And it's up to the advisor to guide them, to help them ask themselves the right questions and to dig deep. And it's not about, you know, how long can my money last? It's what can your money do for you? What can your money, you know, help you create or what is the legacy it can help you leave? So those are the types of things that help, you know, us get out of bed in the morning within the company because it makes it a lot more exciting. And again, all of a sudden you become part of something so much greater. And I think this can spell across industries too. I mean, we're using this just because that's the core of where I spend the most of my time. But I think it can spread across industries to say, you know, are you really asking the right questions? of your clients? Are you serving them at their highest capacity and really getting to the core of what they need, not what they're telling you on the surface they want? So I think there is a delineation there. Oh, absolutely. But the magic that you just mentioned in there is, is what can your money do? Yes. Yes. Recognizing that money is a tool that's designed to do stuff. It's a workhorse. Like, it, it's not designed to be shoved into a bank or shoved under a mattress. It is, it is designed to be moving and, and doing. <laughs> and, and so I, I love that question. What is your money doing? Um, because so many people have been taught that money's the end game. Yes. And they're living their lives as if money's the end game. They're working dollars for hours. They're, they're, they're giving the majority of their life away to a company that's just, you know, that's paying them just enough so that they don't quit. And they're doing just enough work so that they don't get fired. And that's the life, right? They're living for the weekend. The weekend is their joy. Monday is their misery. And, and it's because they see money as the end game, mm -hmm. but money is the tool. Yep. And if you recognize that money is a tool that you can put to work, and it can work for you while you're sleeping. It can work for you while you're working. And it can be doubling or tripling your efforts so that you don't have to work near as hard because now the money's working for you. Yes. And, you know, I think you bring up such great points there that money is a tool. And I think where people get caught too is you, you get this notion of prepare or comparing against some index, right? Whatever some index is out there where you're like, well, you know, is my money keeping up with that? And it's like, well, the better question is, is, is your money keeping up with the goals that you've deemed? Like, what have you deemed to be important? What have you set as your targets? That's your comparable there. So again, it's, it's no different than, honestly, it's, it's no different than setting a vision for your company and for what you want to put out into the world and the business you want to create. It's kind of the same thing with, with the money side of things too. It's like, well, what are you trying to achieve? What are you trying to accomplish? What is this end goal? And, and I mean, you're so right that getting away from the model of people just, you know, tucking money away with that kind of scarcity mindset of, oh, I need to have, make sure I have enough just to get by. It's like, oh my gosh, you are so full of talent and there's so much abundance in this world and there's so much needed from people that I think it can be viewed in a different way. So, I mean, you're, you're dead on with those comments. Mm, so good. All right. Obviously, in financial services, character is so important, right? And I, in networking and all those places, they throw around this idea of know, like, and trust. Yeah. And, and to be honest, I don't think people need to like you. 
I, I think they need to trust you. So what's important to you in, in building trust or helping your financial clients and that you're coaching in, in building trust? Yeah, I would say that trust, I mean, especially in the financial services industry is hands down, I mean, second to nothing else. And, you know, I, I really liken it back to a little bit of what we've been talking about here. You know, you build trust when people see that you're truly invested in their future, that you're not just in it for the close of the sale, for the dollar signs on the end of it. I mean, in, in, in full honesty, we have really a mantra at Sweet Financial where we say, okay, any prospective client that, that we encounter that comes our way even if our model is not set up to be best suited for them. You know, maybe, you know, whatever the given situation is, it just doesn't seem to make sense, you know, going back to identifying who your ideal is and who it's not. We have a commitment that we're going to leave people with value regardless of whether or not we're going to work with them. So for us, it's that trust build right up front. It's saying, hey, we are truly in this to help people. Like that's why we're in business. Like we're not in it just for the paycheck. We're in it to make a difference in people's lives. And even though we might not be able to take every single human being on, we're darn sure going to figure out a way to give them a good tip, you know, refer them to a good place, you know, make sure that we leave them with value. And that's really something that we embody when it comes to how we serve clients. It's becoming invested in, in their family and understanding like why they make the decisions they do and who's important to them and you know what'll make them fulfilled. Those things stacked really help build the trust factor and always operating with their best interest at heart, even if it maybe doesn't serve you in, in the way that you would hope, but always operating with their best interest at heart and demonstrating that time and time again, that's where we've really been able to foster and build trust. That's been a, a huge differentiator for us. Nice. We will be right back after this short break. This episode is sponsored by the newly released book, Dream Life Planner, Move from Tired and Overwhelmed to Free and Empowered by Noelle L. Peterson, available on Amazon, or you can order a personalized signed copy at empower, E-M-P-O-W-E-R, to dream.com. That's empower, number two, dream.com. If you enjoy the show, please like and subscribe, leave a review, tell your friends. Welcome back. Let's get back to more greatness. Obviously, I believe that you understand the power of questions. Mm. And, and I think inside of that trust is the ability to, or desire to ask valuable questions. Hand, hands down. And I didn't know if you were going to go further with that before I answered, but you know, Robert, I think there's, there's one thing that, that we have taken away. Um, there was a, a mastermind session that Brian and I, Brian, the founder of Sweet Financial that we were attending. And they did this exercise where they talked about going seven layers deep with questions. And again, it kind of goes back to what I said before, where you're in a conversation with a client. And I think this is where there's opportunity left on the table. A lot of times is you ask maybe the first question, you know, what's important to you? What's meaningful to you? What's something that you've, you've always wanted to do, you know, whatever that looks like, you know, we stop there and we accept whatever that first answer is. And if you don't take the time to, to ask things like, tell me more about that. Why is that meaningful to you? 
okay, that seemed to trigger an emotion in you. Tell me about where that emotion comes from. You know, what does that mean? What could that mean for your future? So it's a lot of the the what's, the how's, the, the getting to the core of why people answer that surface level question the way that they do and not accepting it at face value. So that's something that we have actually done trainings with our advisory team on too is, hey, you know, people, they, they want to get to the truth, you know, right? Especially in today's world, which we won't go down that rabbit hole, but people want to get to their own truth. And sometimes they need prompting and they need help to get there. So I think that's something that, that, you know, people should absolutely keep going deep, keep asking the what's, the how's, the why's, and you'll find that people are willing to reveal a heck of a lot more, which then creates, again, you go back to trust, creates that fostering of um, built relationships, of deepened relationships, and a new level of trust because they're sharing things that they don't share with people on a normal basis. Well, and, and the power of those questions is really in the fact that the people don't know. Mm. I mean, they know inside, right? They know subconsciously what they want, but they've given it up or they've lost sight yeah. of it or you know, they don't focus on it enough. And, and so it was kind of like those, you know, boundaries we talked about at the beginning, they, they haven't set those boundaries in their life to, or, or gone after what they've wanted because they gave up on it. And until yeah. you ask enough questions to dig back into that, right? Like, like even the question of, Oh yeah, I've always wanted to backpack in Italy. And it could simply be, cause I remember backpacking someplace else with my father and it, the value is really that the that family connection and let's set up a trip for you to backpack with your kids or yeah. you know how do we how do we make the the equivalent of that rather than that actual thing because when they tried to relive that actual thing it'd be a totally negative experience and it would ruin <laughs> the original one yeah. um, and and there's so much power in in being willing to to dig into that uncomfort right because those are, it's an uncomfortable conversation to go seven layers deep. Oh yeah. And, and it can feel, I mean, it can feel awkward, especially when you're first doing it. Uh, but, but it's amazing though. Cause I think about how many times we've gone through this exercise with people. And when you truly get to the core, I mean, that awkwardness goes away after, after a few questions and you really start to peel those layers back, it's just trusting yourself to get started and, and also understanding you made me think of something else as you're sharing there. A lot of times people maybe tuck that stuff away or, you know, ignore the why or whatever that is, because somewhere along the line, somebody has told them that their dream is too big, that their expectations are unrealistic, that it's ridiculous, that whatever. So all of a sudden you have kind of these naysayers that have caused this person to stifle their dream or not pursue what they really want or, you know, get stuck in a scarcity mindset because they're like, oh gosh, you know, maybe they're right. Maybe I'm not capable. Maybe there's not enough time. Maybe I'm too old, too young to, you know, insert whatever word you want. And that can hinder people from, you know, taking action towards the things you want. So we look at as like, it's, it's like our due diligence. I mean, for us to be able to really serve in the way that we should, we want to understand these things. Like we truly care and we want to know because a life unfulfilled, man, there's there's not much that's sadder than that. So that's something that that I think, you know, just knowing the why behind it to get past the awkwardness is is well worth it. Well, and and it's it's a double service, right? Because not only oh, yeah. are you helping them uncover what they really want, 
Now you're helping them uncover the limitations that are, that are holding them back that aren't based in truth, right? So, the, yeah. The, the uncle that told you, well, you'll never do that. Or mm -hmm. even the, the parent out of good, out of good nature or, or protection saying, oh, don't dream so big or yeah. all of those limitations that were put on us typically in our childhood years. And, and some in adult years when people, people make the leap into entrepreneurship and everybody thinks they're crazy. Everybody says, that's not possible. That'll never work. You can't do that. Right. Oh, and, mm -hmm. and then of course all the scarcity mindset issues, you know, around, around money and who man to, to help people dig into some of those and, and be able to replace those with truth. That's a powerful, powerful exercise. Yeah, absolutely. And again, it goes back to, you know, helping people get past those blocks. And, you know, once you start peeling back the layers and I'm, I'm not a psychologist, I don't pretend to be one, but really it's just, you don't giving, have to be. No. And it's, it's giving people, you know, a path. And I think that's part of the problem is that there's not, there's not like a defined path out there for people to follow. And that's really what we're trying to create is that, you know, yeah, the work can be hard, like, especially it could be emotionally taxing, that work can be hard. But once you get through that, and you really start realizing possibility, it's like a whole new world opens up. And then all of a sudden, you look at the impact on, you know, your teams, or your loved ones, your kids, the people around you, all of a sudden, people start going, wow, it really was possible. You know, what can mm -hmm. I do? <laughs> Well, so and, that, and, that's, and that's what's so powerful. And so I just want to clarify, because you said you're not a therapist and I'm not a therapist. And, and, and even though I come from a ministry background yeah. as a coach, I focus, I focus forward and, and the difference, a therapist typically focuses backward and tries to deal with trauma and, and mm. some of those things. And if you've had trauma, I highly recommend dealing with those things. But the stories we tell ourselves about our past impact our future. And that's where I can try to help people rewrite the stories they tell themselves. I can't change the event, right? I can't undo the event, yeah. but I can change the story that you tell yourself because it can be a story of empowering yourself or a story of, you know, making yourself a victim and empowerment leads to the things that, that you're opening up for people is what is it that you really want in this world? What is the impact you really want? What is the legacy that you want to leave? Yeah. And then when you know those things, then you can be intentional about the choices that you make in your life. And it's right back to those boundaries that you talked about, right? Sure. I want to build a big book of business. I want to have a lot of coaching clients, but I also want to spend time with my kids at their soccer games and, and these things. And so maybe my book doesn't grow as fast during this season of my life, but I'm spending all this time in my soccer games and that's far more valuable than any book of business, right? And, and it's knowing the difference. And yeah. And that's the design. That's the design that you have the freedom to, to create. You don't have to build a business that takes over your life. And you don't have to build a business that isn't growing and, and isn't developing because you've sacrificed it all for your kids, right? There can be both and there can be, yeah. right, but there has to be that, that little balance we talked about at the beginning, right? There's a, there's a time for work. There's a time for play and, and they have to kind of harmonize together. Yeah. Um, and of course, you find the harmony with your family and you make it work. Amen. And, you know, that that whole juggling act, and it's kind of funny because, you know, I think about it from just a female perspective. So a woman in the entrepreneurial world who is, you know, trying to make a difference and create new possibilities for people, you know, it is frequent, I will say, that I get asked, 
like, oh, wow, you have three kids. Like, how are you doing it all? But my husband, who has his own business, does not get asked that. <laughs> Where he's like, wow, you have three kids. How are you doing it all? So again, it's not, you know, there's, there's no like comparison game here. But just to put it into reality, you really do have to. And my answer is always like, well, it's it's value alignment. And it's knowing that I do have a great partner and support in my husband. And we have other family that that plays in this game and that helps with our children. And we are so fortunate to have that. And that doesn't lost on me. And also have great partners and team and all of those wonderful things that help make the world go round. So I think that there's a deeper lesson here too. Like when you look at that teeter-totter in life, it's understanding that it's not all on you either. You know, mm -hmm. especially when you're first going into the world of entrepreneurship, it can be really overwhelming and it can be really, really lonely, especially when you think that you have to figure it all out yourself. So having somebody like, you know, a coach, like somebody like Robert to help get you through and really navigate what this path looks like having people in your corner who have your best interest at heart and can help you get what you want. And a lot of times, even in a faster capacity, I think there's so much to that. So putting the right who's in your life, letting people help you, like coming from the guiltiest party ever of somebody who thinks I can do it all and be it all and be everywhere at once, let people help you. And that helps that teeter-totter, you know, have that perfect imbalance that I like to call it where you don't feel like you're weighted too much on one side. Don't, don't be the lone ranger. <laughs> so let's dig a little, there's a couple things in there you said, but, but just this last one is really powerful. Um, entrepreneurs willing to let other people help them. Yeah. Um, either by hiring people that you're for the stuff you're not good at, um, finding a partner for the things you're not good at outsourcing. But let's talk about the multiplication power of that because it's exponential, not just, Right. It, it frees up your creativity and, and so much more when you're willing to let go of especially the things you're not good at because you can't be yeah. you're, as an entrepreneur. You're not good at everything. No. And, you know, it's um, Dan Sullivan. He's the creator of the strategic coach. He has this whole notion of you have two choices in life. You can either work on your strengths and make them even stronger or you can work on your weaknesses. But the problem with working on your weaknesses is all you're ever going to have are strong weaknesses. So it, it's one of those things where if you look at like the measure of your time and the value you put out into the world, really making sure that you're spending your time at the things that you excel at, especially when you think about the entrepreneurial journey. Like for me, having conversations like this, uh, you know, putting content out into the world and having that ability to have the space to create versus worrying about my calendar and, you know, just the different organizational things that happen behind the scenes, I'm capable, but there's people out there that love it, that are great at it, that would be so thrilled to death to be able to do that every single day. And then it frees me up to be able to foster relationships and meet new people and discover opportunities for collaboration and all those wonderful things. So yeah, I think that that multiplication effect when you're able to shine and do the things you love, it shows up in your energy too. And people can feel that. And that's where doors start opening, windows start opening. And all of a sudden you're realizing growth simply by letting people into your life that can take some of the things that weigh you down off your plate. Oh, these interviews would be terrible if I had to look at spreadsheets. 
Oh my gosh. I, you know, I, there's something about spreadsheets. I feel the same way. It's like death by spreadsheets, but there are people in our office and our team too, that are like, give me all the spreadsheets. I love my, it. <laughs> my wife loves to make everything into a spreadsheet. So she's a, she's a spreadsheet fan, but, and, 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 and so of course I take advantage of that. She's my partner oh, yeah. in this business and she does all the spreadsheets. <laughs> and I'm sure she like, because she loves it. She's like, this is a win-win across the board. Absolutely. You're freed up and she's doing things you love. My gosh, that's perfect. <laughs> <clears throat> so let's dig a little further into the family piece. And, and you mentioned, you know, raising your family. And, and we talked earlier about designing your life around your, around your children, around your family. What's been the benefit of, or the blessing of, of being an entrepreneur and, and designing, you know, the life that you want for your family? Yeah. You know, a, a big thing for me, and this may not be uh, one of the more common answers, but a big thing for me has just been showing my kids what they're capable of. So, and I'll go down the path too of, you know, being able to have some of the flexibility to go on the field trips and to participate in my kids' lives that, you know, somebody who, if you have to work that eight to five, nine to five, no flexibility role, it can be challenging because a lot of stuff happens during the day, like they're in school during the day. So being able to step away, I mean, obviously there's, there's, you know, I love that. And I love being able to be part of my kids' lives in that capacity. But even greater than that for me is just being able to demonstrate and, and show, I mean, I have two girls and, and a son, but I, I look at the age of my girls right now, they're eight and five and showing them that, you know, if you want to write a book later on in life, you can write a book. If you want to host a podcast, my gosh, go host a podcast. You want to build a business, you are capable and you can absolutely do it. But demonstrating that through my own life and through my own work, that part of it has been fulfilling. And when you start seeing the dots connect and my oldest is asking about, you know, mom, how, how, how do you think you go about like opening a boutique where you sell like baby clothes down the road and you're going, there is that spirit that I was hoping to instill in them. So it's seeing those things show up in their lives that has been so fulfilling for me and, and just helping them realize the possibility that we help our clients with. That's been so cool and, and mm. fun to see and fun to be part of that journey. Absolutely. And that's a great answer. So, <laughs> so that, that leads to me to the idea of mentors. Obviously you, you see your role in mentoring your children and, and helping them see something bigger than, than themselves. And how have mentors been important in your journey and how should an entrepreneur find a mentor in their journey? Yeah. You know, I think that one of the first things to do is to really look at, you know, who are people that you admire and who are people that have in some capacity accomplished something that you want or done something and contributed in a way that you want. So I think that when you look at mentorship, you know, the, the biggest trap we fall into is taking advice from people who maybe haven't even achieved or done the things that we want to do. That's often not great advice in the first place because they've never accomplished it. So I think really leaning into, you know, what it is that you want to accomplish and finding mentors that way. You know, I also think, you know, I think about mentors in my life and, and I go back to this one individual. Um, he was an attorney that I worked for and I was a teenager. I mean, I was still in high school. I took this summer job and I'm going into it thinking at the time that I wanted to be an attorney. So what a great experience and whatever. But my point in bringing him up is that he treated me like I was a true 
legal assistant. Like I was not a high school kid showing up and working for him for the summer. He was somebody that saw potential that I didn't see in myself, didn't know existed. And he treated me that way. So as I look then forward, the mentors that I've encountered, number one, they've accomplished things that, that I personally would like to accomplish. And they're people that don't see limitations on mine or anybody they work with on their capabilities. Because unfortunately, I think there are, call them coaches or consultants or whatever out there that don't all think that way and that don't all help people really lean into their full potential mm. and the possibility. So that's something that I personally have looked for specifically is I, I want somebody to really see something in me that I don't see in myself. And there's great people out there that can help you do that. Oh, absolutely. I think seeing the potential and believing in the potential and of course, helping people dream bigger and play bigger um, is so valuable. Yeah. Yeah. See, earlier we, we talked about um, money and, and, and the juggling act and, but you mentioned something in there akin to, you know, thankfulness and, and being thankful for the opportunity. So what other ways has gratitude served you in, in your journey? Yeah. You know, gratitude is, it's honestly, it's everything. And and if you think about it, you know, we had this conversation when I uh, interviewed you on, on our podcast too, that, you know, when you think about moments in time where you're really down and things are rough and the road is bumpy and things aren't maybe going in the perfect way that you want, you know, pausing in that moment and finding something to be grateful for. Like I, I'm a huge proponent of if you are feeling stressed out, move your body, like get outside, get some fresh air, go for a walk, you know, let nature do its magic and, and help you kind of heal past that point. And, and there's been so many times and moments where I'm just like walking. I'm like, oh my gosh, like I am so blessed. Like I have three really healthy kids and I have a beautiful relationship with my husband and we live in a place that's safe. Like we're safe right now. And, you know, just those simple things, I think help you number one, stay grounded, but also too, it puts you in a different state of mind where you're purposely trying to find things you're grateful for. Um, you know, so, so I think that's, that's one component of it. And actually there was a speaking coach that I had, his name's Joel Weldon. He is just salt of the earth, wonderful human being, but he did a talk at a mastermind that we're part of, and it was called, I think he called it like, that's good. And the whole premise of it was that anytime something really bad happens, you want to just stop in that moment and say, that's good. So at the time of this particular talk, I had recently lost uh, my youngest sister. She had passed away at 17 and um, had cystic fibrosis, and there was some turmoil in my family, so I hadn't seen or talked to her in a couple of years, and I was in a really tough spot, and I'm sitting there going, how is any of this good? Like, what in the world am I going to find in this that's good? I'm feeling pretty bad right now. <laughs> and, and, and Joel's framing was that, you know – if nothing else, you have to look for the lessons in life. And how is what's going on now going to shape you into being maybe an even better human or making better decisions for your future or whatever? So like for me and the loss of my sister and the turmoil that happened with my family and how rough things were and the hurt that I was feeling and all of that at the time, 
when I took a step back and put myself into a state of gratitude, I said, you know what this is teaching me? I know exactly the kind of parent that I'm going to be for my kids. I know exactly what I'm going to do to help, you know, avoid some of the turmoil that I faced in my family and maybe with my parent and, and that kind of thing at the time. And so it really helped me identify what's meaningful, what I value, you know, getting back to that core and shifting perspective from something that was devastating to something that actually served me and my future and even generations to come. So I think gratitude has more power than people even realize. And it's something that, gosh, if we can get people doing it from a young age and practicing that going into the future, you want to talk about making the world a better place? That's a real simple way to start. And I think it's something that is, is manageable and it is actually within our control by talking about it and encouraging it. Mm, so good. Yeah, it'll change relationships and change yeah. lives if you find yeah. all things to be thankful for. Yeah. Mm, absolutely. All right, let's switch a little bit. You mentioned your husband a few times. So what was your most memorable date? Oh my goodness gracious. You are really putting me on the spot here. Um, you he know may what? or may not listen. I might send him an invite. I don't know. <laughs> He'll be like, a podcast, I'm not coming on that. That's all you, Brittany. <laughs> um, you know, honestly, I don't know if I can pinpoint one specific date, but the times that are, I guess, the most meaningful are times that he and I can just go do something with no real agenda and just have time to spend together. So, and I, I laugh about this because we've joked that like the vast majority of our dates have been going to like the um, Home Depots and Menards, if you're in you know, the Midwest, that that's a lot of our dates because we have had a remodeling project that has taken over our lives for the past like eight years. <laughs> but in all seriousness, I mean, I think about just those quality moments, the, the time together, the quiet, where we can just enjoy each other's company and hang out and be friends. I mean, that's something that is super meaningful. And I was having a conversation, not to digress, but having a conversation with a colleague of mine recently. And I said, you know, the, the saddest thing in relationships, I think, is that, you know, you're busy with kids. You're busy with kids, with careers. And then if all that stuff kind of goes away at some point, because there is a chance that could happen, those things go away. Kids grow up. They leave the house. Maybe your career shifts. Maybe the company closes. Maybe you decide to shift gears, whatever that looks like. All you've kind of got then is each other. And if you can't build a friendship out of that, then then that makes things a little bit tough. And I think that's when relationships tend to suffer. So just times where we can be friends and we can hang out and have fun. Like those are the times that are memorable over some of the big extreme like vacations or anything like that. Yeah, somehow it gets lost on some folks that the, the commitment for marriage is is was permanent and the commitment for uh, kids is a temporary assignment. And even jobs are a temporary assignment. And so- yeah the one permanent assignment we make. And, and, and of course our culture is losing that value a lot, but, but the truth is if you're committed to the journey and, and, and you, you want to are on the journey together, right? My wife and I are partners on the journey Yeah. and it doesn't matter where we're going or, or what we're doing, but, but we're partners. And so mm -hmm. we're side by side. It's her and I against the world instead of her and I against each other. <laughs> and, yeah. and so many people get caught up in this, relationship power and control idea and they they lose out on the journey because mm -hmm. they don't know what's really important and so love that that you're recognizing you know what's really important is just our relationship and 
and what we're doing. And so if the journey's Home Depot and Menards, then the journey's <laughs> Home Depot and Menards and hope we can stop and grab the hot dog on the way out and have a conversation at the picnic table. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and I think, you know, there, there's so much merit to, to what you've said there too. And I think that, and this, again, I think it can be applied to any like real relationship in your life that understanding, like in a marriage in particular, people grow and they change and they evolve. Like we're not stagnant beings. Like who I was, you know, even five years ago, seven years ago, 10 years ago is very different. I'm, I'm the core of who I am. Like that doesn't change, but you know, what motivates me and what drives me and decisions that I make, it's changed. And same thing with my husband. Like he is different from what he was a few years ago to 10 years ago to whatever. And I think understanding, you talk about the journey and being on that path together and being able to support each other in that growth versus get stuck in the mindset of he's changed or she's changed. And that's a negative, man, that's a positive when you can grow together, even if you're not growing simultaneously at the exact same time. So I think there's, there's so much power into just honoring that relationship and, and nurturing it. Absolutely. All right. So what do you guys love to do with your girls, the kids? Girls yeah. You know, honestly, my very favorite thing is we, we've been, I, I mean, I joke about how much, how long we've worked on our home and I'm not exaggerating that it's close now, but it's been a while. But honestly, one of my favorite things is we have a deck off the back of our house and we live out in the country and there's a grove in front of us and sitting out there and watching the kids just be creative and play and use their imaginations and the things that they come up with that's seriously my favorite place to be sitting on that deck, watching them interact and watching them play and love each other and sometimes fight with each other and all of that good stuff. I mean, that's so fun. And, and, you know, there's been really cool things that we've done with them where you take them and get new experiences where they're seeing things for the first time. And obviously that stuff is really cool too, but honestly, just that that pure peace of watching them interact and play is truly my favorite thing to do. All right, Brittany, what's your big dream? Ooh, my big dream. So this is loaded because I feel like it's 25 layers. So I promise I'm not going to go that crazy, but you know, something for me is it, it. And I think this is entrepreneurship in general. It's just this total sense of you know, freedom of time, money, energy, purpose, all of those things. But when you combine that and you wrap that into a bow, I think that being able to help people realize possibility for their future and actually seeing them take action is huge. And there's this like underlying thing. And, and I think this is why, you know, I feel like I relate to you so much in, in what you do you know, if you think about what's gone on around the world and, you know, what people define as dreams and, you know, how, I mean, you've mentioned Robert about how, you know, there's areas of the world where people live on, would you say $30 for a month? That's like not even fathomable to me. So I think that through the work that I'm doing, if I can help close the loop, and this is one thing that pulls on my heartstrings is, you know, closing the loop on kids being hungry, like something so foundational. It's like, how do you dream? How do you think about aspirations and what you can accomplish and all these great things if your basic needs aren't even being met? And I think, you know, kids in particular, they they can't control their environment. They can't control what they were born into. They can't control maybe what part of the world that they were brought into this world in. So being able to take 
all of that possibility that we're helping people realize and put that towards a greater good and a greater cause, helping meet people's foundational needs. If that is something I can achieve in my lifespan, man, I'll die a happy woman. <laughs> so that's something that is, is the bigger, bigger level dream for me. Love that. Yeah. Contribution is so important and, and seeing a role in, in, in contribution, leaving a legacy. Yeah. Um, just obviously it's just continuing value, right? Adding value during your lifetime and then leaving a legacy that continues to add value um, forever, hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Very good. All right. So you've had lunch with an entrepreneur for the last hour and you're going to leave them with Brittany's words of wisdom. Oh, all right. My words of wisdom. Let's see here. I think that the biggest thing that I would say is never let fear of the unknown hinder you from what you're capable of. You know, if, if there's one thing that I think about in my own life that I can maybe attribute to some of the success that I've had and success defined by many things. It's not just financial. It's not just the businesses. It's kind of across the board. It's that I've let fear work for me versus against me. Ooh. And that's something that if I could instill that in every entrepreneur, everybody trying to make a difference in their own kind of niche of the world, I think that would help people get such great strides. That's really good. Good. I'm glad. <laughs> well, Brittany, thank you so much for joining me today. What a great conversation. What a fun couple hours we've just had together. And, and I appreciate you so much. Thank you, Robert. Uh, likewise. If you enjoyed the show, please like, subscribe, or leave a review. We have a free gift for you at addvaluemindset.com. That's addvaluemindset.com. We've collected some of the best mindset secrets shared by successful entrepreneurs on our podcast, and we want to give them to you for free. addvaluemindset.com. In our next episode, Noel and Robert have a wonderful chat with Rick and Aldona Seymour about building a business together. They've partnered with the Shackley Corporation to change their lives and the lives of thousands who are their customers and have also become part of their business. They are living healthier and wealthier and have been blessed to help many others make the same leap to a life of freedom.